Welcome to That PCOS Coach Podcast. If you're here, then there's a great chance that you too have PCOS and you're in good company. My name is Letitia Bates and I'm your host. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist and health coach. I hold a degree in nutrition and food science, currently a dietetics major on the path to becoming a dietitian and a former licensed nurse. This is my station where I shed light on polycystic ovary syndrome. You're going to hear stories from PCOS fighters, advocates, interviews from PCOS experts, and learn all things PCOS, fitness, and health. I have to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, VitaChic. VitaChic is a PCOS-owned company that creates luxury skincare products and high-quality supplements. I personally love the Mild Decaro Complex, but I was also really fortunate to be able to assist in the formula for the Berberine Complex as well. Samantha, the founder and CEO, is always happy to assist you, and I just can't speak enough about the quality of the product at VitaChic. So head over to VitaChicUSA.com and you can use the code LIVEFREE20 for 20% off of your order or check the show notes. I have all of that information there as well. On today's episode, I get the pleasure to chat with Lindsay, who is what I would consider a true PCOS champion. Her story is one of the most compelling PCOS stories that I've encountered. And after I heard it for the first time, I knew that I had to invite her on the show so that she could share her PCOS story with all of you. I feel that in some fashion or another, we can all find a bit of her story in our own personal PCOS journey. Now, before you go any further in this episode, I do want to share that this episode contains sensitive topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. We do discuss topics such as self-harm and child loss, so please be advised. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk I to you. I am too. I um, have just been so blessed since you and I have met. I know we recently have met and I'm so glad that we were connected and um, I know we're going to get all into this in, in today's episode, but gosh, you have such a compelling story. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, I have to have you on the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, I, it's quite a story for sure. Um, definitely hasn't been easy, but, yeah. um, share it and get it out there and heal from it even more and heal, you know, anyone that's kind of on this journey, mm-hmm. um, strong. PCOS and and the battles of PCOS then you know I feel like I've do I've done my work you know I've yeah I've taken a step forward so yeah yeah no I I love this because actually for the listeners like we literally just recently met like I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday and as soon as I heard your story I was like oh oh I have got to get her on the podcast like right now this cannot wait Yeah, it's a heavy one for sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so let's, um, Lindsay, just kind of just tell us a little bit about you, who you are. Yeah, so um, I am a Midwestern. I live in Indiana. Um, I was a former teacher. I taught for about 15 years, an art teacher. So I've got my creative brain. Um, I am also an adoptive mom of two and um, hope to continue that. My husband and I recently decided that we'd like to continue our journey with adoption. So we build our family again through adoption soon. Um, I am a, what I'd like to say is like a PCOS warrior. I've been battling this disease, as I like to call it, um, most of my life, um, from what I could actually even recall. Um, I was diagnosed, I think officially in like 2013, 2014, um, when my husband and I tried to conceive and start building our family naturally. Um, I was having a lot of issues. Um, a lot of my symptoms, you know, I hit roadblocks trying to find doctors that could understand my symptoms and understand my, my situation. Um, I'm about five, five, 120, 128 pounds to give people an understanding. Mm -hmm. So I fluctuate in there with this, this chronic situation. Um, so when I go into doctors, you know, I don't have, you know, their top three markers for, um, PCOS. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I was having, um, at the time when I started this whole process of fertility, I was having, you know, cycles every two weeks, my hair was falling out. I was having, um, severe acne, um, 
and my, and I was dropping a lot of weight. And so, um, I really was for myself, I was super sick. Um, a lot of my, um, symptoms that I struggle with now are like occasional hair loss, acne, excessive body hair. I tend to fluctuate more on estrogen dominance. So mm-hmm. I can be real puffy and swollen, um, with severe migraines that come along with that. Um, and also depression and anxiety. I got those lovely things to deal with. <laughs> they, they come hand in hand. It, it seems like, <laughs> yeah, it's, I always say, you know, to, to make light of it, it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know, <laughs> that yes. Yes. I say that about PCOS a lot. In fact, I think I've said that recently, like in social media messages, it's like PCOS just it keeps on giving. <laughs> it does. There's really no, there's no down day with it. Um, no. So, you know, as I embark on this lovely journey, um, you know, and I also want to start out by saying that like, you know, everybody that struggles with PCOS has their own journey, you know, and mine has just been really challenging for myself. Um, and as we, you know, my husband and I, are, we're still trying to figure it out, this disease, this complication. We, I was so young. I felt like I was so naive when I started to learn about it. And I really simply blamed it on my ovaries because that's mm-hmm. big. I was told it all started that my ovaries had a problem. So I was thinking like, why don't I just take them out? Like, why do I need them? Like, why, you know? Um, so I got my official diagnosis going to a reproductive endocrinologist and he told me at that time you know (laughs) in his bedside manner of like oh you have skinny girl PCOS and I'm thinking like I don't even know what that is but it doesn't even sound like a right medical term you know I have no idea and I'm thinking okay well how do I fix it you know what do I do you know is there an answer and he I wasn't given anything you know with that no answers no nothing Um, he basically handed me the birth control pill, um, and said, here you go. You know, at the same time, I was also diagnosed with hypothyroidism. So now I have this weird thing going on. It's autoimmune issue that I don't even really understand either, which is complicating the hair loss and the acne and the mood swings and the anxiety and the depression. And so now I have these two things. I don't understand them. I don't know what to do with them, but I have pills like, here's your pills take them. See you later. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he recommended that we come back in, you know, a few months to start the fertility journey. Um, so we dive into that a few months later. Still, I don't understand what's going on. The pill has sort of helped me. It kind of calmed some of the things down. It didn't necessarily fix anything. Cause I soon later find that out that it was far from fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, helped calm some of my symptoms. Um, I go into this IVF journey, very, very blindsided, not really understanding much. Um, we go in with our first round of IVF. We, so we did a total of three. Um, and on our first one, we got pregnant, you know, so we were super, super excited. We were ready to go. Um, but at nine weeks I miscarried. Um, and I had to have a DNC, um, And then about a month later, I had to go in for another emergency DNC because I had blood clots. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm struggling with this disease. It's still haunting me and I'm still going through this fertility journey and it's really taking a toll on my mental health. I mean, it's really starting to hit me um, really hard and I don't know how to manage any of the symptoms. Um, and I'm going to different doctors in the time trying to find, you know, I'm researching, I'm reading, I'm looking, anybody that has the name or the, the, the PCOS behind its name, like I'm mm-hmm. going appointment. I want to talk to them. I want to know, I want to understand. And at that time, I'm not really finding much information on it at all, you know? Um, and really I didn't hit the criteria for all three things that I needed to have. You know, I didn't hit that, you know, I was having normal cycles at one point. I wasn't overweight. Um, yeah, I had extra body hair and acne, but that was only one of the three that they said I needed, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
So we, we continue on this journey, go through our second round of IVF and nothing really works. We get to about our third. Um, and I think at this point, we've taken anywhere from 30 to 40 eggs that we've done through a retrieval. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm anybody that's in this journey that goes through IVF. I, this is not my space to bash IVF. What I am here to say is that I encourage anyone that's on this journey, whether you, you, whether you are, you know, suffering PCOS or whether you are um, just in it to figure out what your fertility space is, do your homework, you know, do your homework, fuel your body, find what's going on with your body before you dive all in, because it Mm -hmm. really takes a toll emotionally, financially, physically. I mean, it does, it does a lot. Um, so by our third round, um, we were encouraged to do egg donor. And again, I had no idea what that even meant. I'd say late twenties, early Mm thirties. Um, and I was handed a pamphlet on epigenetics and they were told, I was told here, go home and read this. I, again, felt very lost in that situation. Um, Again, so here I have this PCOS I don't understand. Now I have hypothyroidism and I have epigenetics. Like, what do I do with all three? Like, I, it was, I was a mess. I had no yeah. idea struggling. Like, as I progress in this and every single round and I'm doing these injections and I'm not feeling well, it's really taking a toll on my PCOS. It's really messing things up from a greater, deeper root and causing more anxiety, causing more depression more heartache, more loss. And I don't understand. I feel very, very sick. And mm-hmm. it's all even on my marriage because I can't figure out what's going on. And, um, by the third round, you know, I think I ended up stopping the meds mid round. And I called my husband and I said, I'm done. Really? I, I can't do anymore. Like mm-hmm. I've hit a breaking point. Um, we went into the fertility doctor and he, you know, he told me, you know, verbatim, pregnancy is not healthy for you. And I recommend adoption and I recommend, or surrogacy. That's it. Mm-hmm. Those are your- so again, I feel completely defeated. You know, I have this condition that I came in with. I don't understand it. I can't find a doctor that will help me understand it. I'm sick. I don't, now I'm being told that you, yeah, it, it's confirming I'm sick. I'm not able to conceive and being pregnant is incredibly dangerous and unhealthy for me. And I felt that through all three of these, you know, transfers and, um, and, and yeah, it was a struggle. It was just like, well, I, okay, I quit. I'm done. Like I gave up, you know, and I dove right into adoption. And from that point on, and this is like the next seven years of my life, I'm still struggling with PCOS, my mm-hmm. hypothyroidism, and now I'm trying to become a mom through adoption. You know, my husband and I go through nine failed adoptions, you wow. know, it's back to back to back to back. And I think in that seven years, we, we calculated it up. We lost three grandparents. We put down two of our dogs that were old, wow. that we married, and we lost nine babies that we mm-hmm. tried to connect with. Um, and it, if that doesn't take a toll on you mentally, like, I don't know. I don't see how you could come out of that without yeah. it taking the toll. And, and I'm still struggling with my mental health because I, you know, I can only take so much. Right. My th- has reached its highest point. Um, luckily we were able to adopt in, um, 2016 and we, we adopted our first daughter. Mm-hmm. We all, we adopted again, 2019. Um, so we have two beautiful, amazing little girls through adoption. So we were very mm-hmm. successful. We stayed, we stayed the path and we became very successful and, um, hoping to grow our family with a third through adoption again. Um, but in that space and time after my second one was born, I never dealt with the trauma of the IVF. I never dealt with the trauma of the the illness that I was mm-hmm. did not find a doctor that would help me understand it. I was put on birth control basically for a lifetime. I was put right. on thyroid meds for basically a lifetime. And I'm like, here I am super sick and I don't understand. And then I have a second child and I finally hit 
rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Rock bottom. And it was the hardest moment of my life because here I am supposed to be mom. And I started working, you know, with a health coach and nutrition dynamic and, and starting to figure out, okay, I found somebody right in this time, right when my second daughter was, was born, I, um, realized, okay, I've got somebody that's going to help me understand this. Like, okay, we're, we're going to start working on this. Mm-hmm. And I'm skeptical because nobody at this point has helped me at all. You've been through how many different doctors and providers and it's you're, you've gotten nowhere. Yeah. I've been to, like I said, internal medicine. I've been to reproductive endocrinologists. I've been to regular endocrinologists. I've been to, um, different therapists, dermatologists, chiropractors. I wanted anybody, anybody's opinion that can help me. And what the heck is going on in this body? Um, So my daughter is born. Um, I just came off the pill because it wasn't working for me. Um, And I realized after doing like a Dutch test and and starting to really dive into this probably wasn't the best timing to dive into my health. (laughs) But at the same time, like I wasn't getting any better. Right. And went. Um, and I literally had no hormones, like nothing. My estrogen was gone, my testosterone was gone, and um, my progesterone was gone. Yeah. Um, here I am trying to nurture a baby, have all those like lovey bonding hormones that every mom gets, you know, after they have birth. And I have nothing. I have mm-hmm. nothing. And I completely flatline and I hit the worst suicidal postpartum of my life. And it was, it was a learning curve for sure. I had to learn from that space. Like I had to learn, like, what the heck do I do now? You know, here I have two kids. I'm not well, I need to show up. I need to show up and be a wife. I need to show up and be a mom. I have an infant and I don't know what the heck's going on. I feel like a crazy person. And you're, you, know. you have this extra added pressure of like, you're this woman who has tried to have a baby for all this time. You've been through hell and back. And now that you have these babies, like you should be elated and happy and excited yeah. and have, like you said, like all these warm, loving emotions. And there is none of you left. Like you have been chipped away for years at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you almost feel kind of guilty going in and even talking mm-hmm. to um, a pediatrician and she kind of looked at me and was like, Oh, I think you just have the mommy blues, you know? And I'm like, I think this is a little more severe than mommy blues. But mommy blues is so like degrading to me, like mommy blues, like this is so much bigger and more intense and more real than you just being sad. (laughs) Absolutely. Like I am, I am sick. I am because you can't see it. I think that's why it was di- I was just kind of dismissed with my diagnosis. It's I like can, I can agree. And again, or you have PCOS. It's just a syndrome. Like get over it. Like it's fine. You have this baby. It's everything you've wanted. And you're like, yeah, but I also want to be healthy in that whole process. Um, so I, you know, of course, in this suicidal space, like, what do I do with myself? Like, I don't want to live to see tomorrow or see my children. I can't even handle my husband. I don't know what is going on. Um, And we finally made this really hard decision. And, you know, I'm in therapy. I'm still working to try to figure. I'm doing the work, as they say. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. Never gave up. And I'm working harder and harder to try to figure it out. And we checked me into um, a mental facility to get the therapy. I left my children and my family for 19 days to do, do the work, to get it all out and um, the grief, the healing. And again, I think even there, I, they didn't quite understand what was kind of going on, you know, and it was almost like, well, let's just put her with like postpartum moms, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. that kind of works. Yeah, that does. It helps. But one layer of it. Yeah. yeah, Such a complex space. Um, but I did, I did the healing process. I came out of it. I got grounded and I I came back with a vengeance and I swung forward. Um, and I continued to work with Kristen and, and doing the work to get my body healthy, to, to get my symptoms under control. You know, I'm having the IBS and I'm the thyroids bouncing from hyper to hypo. So I'm swinging both ways. Um, 
my estrogen's peaking and it's dropping and I'm having these mood swings. And, you know, you, you feel like a train wreck when you have this, you, you do, you just, you feel like nobody can understand you. You feel like some days you wake up and you're like, I feel great. And then in an instant, you just feel terrible again. Right. And you don't know why. Um, so a year later, and this is a hard spot, is that after working and putting in the work and I, I quit my job, mm-hmm. um, I became a mom. Um, I started to see improvements in my body. I was starting to feel grounded. I was like, okay, I think I've got a better understanding of this. Um, and then I find myself pregnant in that mm-hmm. stuff. And of course, my husband and I are completely baffled because this is yeah. seven years of this, but it's also a massive trigger for where I just came out of, you know, it's like, how on earth could this even happen? And where am I going to take it? So of course I go to my OB, my trusted OB that I had found that I really thought, okay, mm-hmm. she's hands, she's going to know. And immediately it was like a red flag, you know, you're, um, she said, I'm making you high risk. I need to see you in here more often. This is basically, this could be dangerous. Um, and if you need, cause I complained and I said, well, I'm, I'm having some issues with my blood sugars and I, and I'm really struggling, um, because my PCOS is insulin resistant and, she said, well, I'll put you on, I'll put you on insulin. And I, it was like everything that I had fought against, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to be diabetic. I don't want to be in that space. And I thought ins- insulin, is that even safe for me? Like I never had to do that. And why, you know, why would you, um, and of course I didn't like that answer. And I, I rush out of the doctor's office and I make an appointment with the fertility doctor that I was with several years ago mm-hmm. and I go office and he's completely floored. How on earth are you pregnant? Like, this is crazy. And he said, how do you feel about it? And I said, I'm terrified because you told me this is not healthy for me. You told me that nothing that I have from an egg standpoint is healthy. And while yes, I do feel there's a space of growth. I now have two children, you know, I now have to show up and be a healthy, happy mom. Is this going to just set me back? Is this going to be like, I'm still just coming out of this a year out of my recovery. Right. Of suicidal postpartum. Like I, one wrong move and I would have left my family permanently. Mm -hmm. And he he dismissed me, completely dismissed me. And he said, oh, you have a 90% success rate just come back in a few weeks and we'll do some testing, you know, and I testing, you know, I, I don't, you know, my OB is saying, I'm putting you a high risk doctor. You're going to do all this testing. You're going to do X, Y, and Z. I need to see you more often. I need you on the phone more often. I'm going, this is everything I did not want, right. you know, when it came to having a child. Um, so now I'm getting two different answers, yeah. you know, I go for a third answer because I know some people will say, well, why didn't you just go to a different OB and get another opinion? Keep in mind, I have been to every single doctor leading up to yeah. finding answers or something. And I'm getting the same report every single time. So I go for another doctor and I get nothing. It's like a blank stare, you know, and it basically wow. do what you do. Do what I need to do. What does that even mean? What I have a family at risk here and my health is, you know, now, and I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding that, and I even thought this, and I think my fertility doctor even told me this, that, well, your symptoms can improve once you get pregnant. Well, no, not for everyone, not Mm -hmm. for everyone. And I was one of those where my symptoms didn't improve. Mm -hmm. It actually created more issues with my thyroid. It um, really spiked the estrogen levels in my body. Like I was just so puffy and swollen that I was so uncomfortable Um, having severe migraines two to three times a day. So, you know, all of my symptoms were now amplified because my body was in this, like, I'm fighting this, but I don't know if we can, we can do this together. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm looking for a doctor that's going to say, hey, hold on, let's take a step back. Let's look at everything so that you can move forward and see if this truly is healthy. And I had it, I didn't have any of that. Um, so I come home feeling even more defeated. You know, I, I started out defeated, seven years later, I'm still defeated. And here I am, you know, still even it's more like defeated. You're, it's like you're just screaming and nothing's coming out because nobody can yeah. hear you. Nobody. It's so nope. scary. Yeah. It was so scary because I had to make this decision of, I just came out of the worst suicidal postpartum. I have two little people. And now this doctor is telling me she's basically going to, you know, red flag me and put me on bed rest and, and Lord only knows whatever else she's going to do. Mm-hmm. My, my head is thinking this all along. I'm believing this. My body's believing it. You know, my body is now fighting to just sustain itself every day. Right. And I'm really, wow, what do I do? I have two little ones. They're both, you know, two and four they're needing me. They're not older. They don't understand mommy's sick. I left them once for 19 days. I didn't want to leave them again. So it's like, how do I even explain this to them? Like mommy is going to be sick for a little while. And we hope that this pregnancy sustains itself. And my husband's looking at me with just like a ghostly face. He's white. He's doesn't know what to do. He's terrified. And he's like, I can't lose my wife. And I was just going to say, he can't lose you. He, yeah. He's gotten close to that before. He knows that yeah. that's a possibility. Like he can't lose you. Right. The, the kids can't lose you. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know what to do. Like, and so we, we unfortunately made this really executive de- decision and family decision. And um, we of course had Kristen's support to not continue with the pregnancy due to the health risk that it it was, um, and she of course was one that could understand it because she's Been coaching journey. She sees all of my records. She's looking at it from just a non-biased perspective and the trauma, you know, the trauma, it's not just the layered complexity from IVF. It's a trauma of not understanding my health condition and my body constantly fighting me on a daily basis. So, you know, I, it was a hard decision, of course. And I, uh, you know, sat with that and sat in it for several days and weeks and months to come. But I, what I did find was, you know, it propelled me to another layer of healing that I had to go through that I didn't really expect. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting in this and and what was so bizarre, and and we've always talked about how the universe has your back and it kind of shows up in unexpected ways. And I was sitting on my phone reading something and I saw an article um, for complex PTSD, which was what I was diagnosed with mm-hmm. um, from standpoint. And it was like new treatment, you know, and I was like, oh, right. You know, I've heard it all. You know, you're going to tell me this is going to work. But for some reason, I, I clicked on it. I started reading it and it was about ketamine and talking about ketamine and talking about ketamine infusions. And um, of course, I send it to, to Kristen and, and start asking her, like, what do you think about this? What is this even a thing? Um, and I'm very like, if anyone knows me, I'm a very holistic, all natural. Don't, don't want to take the medications unless I really have mm-hmm. to. Um, she was hundred percent supportive. And she was like, you know, try this, just go see if this is going to, and if anybody knows it's a, it's a drug to treat, um, depression has been mm-hmm. shown to really do some amazing things. I, for whatever reason, just dove right in. I didn't even think twice. Like I was like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. My husband was like, I hundred percent support you. Let's go. Literally a week later, I was in doing my six infusions. And for the first time in my life, like I walk out of there going, Oh my gosh, like this really worked. Like this really just took my depression and anxiety from veil lifted. Yeah. To zero. And I was like, did somebody just take an, you know, a hundred pound backpack off my back. And that's what it felt like for the first time in my life. I was like, I was walking around and I was playing with my kids and I was outside and I was observing, you know, the wind blowing in the trees. And, and I was just like, this is, wow, this is like, this is life when you stop and you appreciate it and you look at it and you know, I could forgive myself and I could look at it and go, oh gosh, like 
I am not my PCOS, you know, no longer. I am me for the first time in my life. And to let go of that trauma, you know, for the first time I could let go and I could breathe and I could accept where I was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I am happy to be an adoptive mom. And that's my journey to becoming a mom was being an adoptive mom. And, you know, I had to learn to, um, like we said the other day, a level of surrender. You finally just Mm -hmm. go, yes, I have this, but it's not me. And yes, I wake up every day and I fight it, but it is what it is. I'm going to have to fight something, you know? Mm I can wake up now with a voice of reason, like, hey, you know what? Yeah, it is hard. It is hard some days. The mood swings, the the puffiness of your body that swings different ways. Maybe your jeans mm-hmm. don't fit that well that day, but tomorrow or the next day, they're going to fit great, you know, right. or yeah, my skin's breaking out. Okay. So what? You know, and I think I finally was just kind of like, so what? So what? It is what it is. This is my body. I, I have to learn to love it the way it is. It's mm-hmm. different. I have to go back and unlearn everything that taught me about eating, about exercising, about whatever. And I have to solely focus on what makes me work. Mm-hmm. And when I did that and I finally, okay, when I had a bad day and I wasn't feeling well, I didn't feel the guilt with it anymore. I could tell my husband, Hey, I'm not feeling well. And for the first time, I think he could understand, okay, what do I need to do to help you instead of, well, what doesn't, what doesn't feel good? It was like, you need, and maybe sometimes I'm like, I just need to go upstairs and lay down for a little bit. You know, the fatigue has really gotten me today or I don't know, maybe I just need some time with you just to feel like my cup can be filled back up so I know I can mm-hmm. get through whatever it is that I feel emotionally or physically. Um, I said, or maybe my body aches today. I think I'm just gonna go take a walk outside or I'm gonna go get on my treadmill and just do a walk so I can move my body. And you know, he now knows how to support that. Um, and I think even my friends now know like that, I'm not just my disease. Like Lindsay has been through a lot and anybody that struggles Mm -hmm. with this is not the PCOS. Like, it's just how your body works. It's not you. It's Mm -hmm. just how you're. And I think you have to fight through that. Um, And I always go back to this quote by Dr. Jaya John. And it always says, spend time loving, not searching for love. Ocean need not seek water. And I always thought like, I needed to just spend time loving myself, not searching yeah. for, not searching these doctors that will wow. accept, not searching for all of these things. And I said, the last part of it always stuck with me that ocean need not seek water. And you think about, you know, when the ocean's so turbulent and when it, it hits the shore and there's a pushback from the shore, you know, I've hit those doctor's doors and I get a pushback. I still keep going. I still keep flowing. I can't erase all the water. I can't, the ocean doesn't drain itself and then wait for the rain to back up. It doesn't. The ocean takes exactly what it has and continues to move forward. Um, And so I've always sat with that. Like the ocean need not seek water. Like it doesn't change. I can't go out and change my body. I can't find a new one. I can't buy a new one. I can't buy, you know, all these pills and things to make it all new. What I do is love it for where it is and be grateful for where I am because I came out and yes, it's still hard. There's some really hard days and I know adoption and then this next journey and chapter will be hard, but I'm at peace, you know, because it's a, it's a deep level of healing that you just kind of finally have to let go and be like, I'm good. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got, I've got my toolbox, you know, I've got my toolbox of people that will support me. I've got my nutrition plans and nutrition person in place. I've got my therapist in place. I've got, you know, my ketamine that's going to help me with that anxiety and depression. And I have my tool, my toolbox is full and my support system. So 
the trifecta, you know, the trifecta of support. And when you have that and you find that balance, then, you know, your journey to move forward can exist and that level of healing can exist. Right. Right. I love like, honestly, Lindsay, your story is so complex and so compelling that I could literally write a book on PCOS by just using your story alone to show people how many layers that this condition really, really has. And even if we start at the beginning, and this is something that as a a longtime PCOS advocate, I see a lot in our community of Um, I think that now like the coin term is lean PCOS, but it's like you have someone who lives in what is, you know, seen as a lean body. People don't take their PCOS quite as seriously, not the medical uh, community, but also not even the PCOS community because there, there tends to be this like, well, you can't have it as bad as I do because you live in a lean body and, and, you know, your life must be so much easier and you have been to hell and back more yeah. times than once in yeah. your PCOS and you have been through the same things that so many of us have gone through of that hitting that door with the doctors and being dismissed and being lost and not having answers and you're just spiraling in your health and health yeah. is mental health it is physical it is emotional it's spiritual it's, it's all of these encompassing things and um I think about your story of like that postpartum depression and, and struggling with your, you know, thirst for being alive anymore. Like research has shown us that people with PCOS are seven times more likely to unalive themselves. And it's, it's still like, it's like, we're not being taken seriously. And it's because of the trauma that you've experienced. And then I think about you being diagnosed with complex PTSD. I've also been diagnosed with that and Art. when people it's- just look at the mental health aspect and they hear you say the words PTSD well they just think well you can't have that because you haven't fought in a war you're not right. a veteran or something yeah. like they yeah it's like or like you know um as women it, it's it's like you either have to have fought in a war or you have to have experienced sexual assault which both can be true but it can come from fighting a disease or a condition that nobody sees and going through, you went through this like really long uh, adoption journey. You went through this like really long IVF journey. Like that yeah. is traumatic. You have a condition that is not being taken seriously and you have been throughout all of these providers and nobody has given you answers. Like that is the foundation for complex PTSD you know my therapist kind of explained it to me in a way of hey you don't just have like one traumatic occurrence in your life that's causing your body to respond the way that it is like it's all tangled up you have all of these different experiences and you definitely have that like you yeah and it's it's like also like how do you get the help that you deserve or, or get the healing that you need when that's not even being taken seriously. So now you've added on this other complex layer to all of these like layers that you already had. And I just, and then like, we, we definitely won't go all the way down it, but the reason why reproductive rights are so important for people like us with PCOS and our community, like that I know had to be another traumatic layer on top of your your story and like I could literally just write an entire novel on your story alone and be like this is the reason why PCOS needs to be recognized and then just ending it with the healing and the surrender to it is not necessarily a specific diet it is not necessarily a specific medication or a workout and that's all we see on social media that's all that we talk about in our community and I get it we are a desperate tribe of people like we are a desperate community of people that like we just want answers we want a solution we feel terrible in our bodies we don't know why just give me that diet just give me that pill just give me this solution when sometimes it's it is that really nasty uncomfortableness of working on within that gives us that that healing I think humans naturally want something tangible you know they want like either it's a piece of paper or it's a a a pill or it's something tangible to, to create healing. And the, the honest truth is to create healing, you're not necessarily going to have a tangible item. 
it is something that comes within. And it was, you know, I do believe that in my journey, like the I and starting with the IVF and the, and the medical community, it stripped away my spirituality because mm-hmm. it so much that I kept losing hope and losing my identity in it. You know, I was no longer, oh, Lindsay coming in with, you know, a XYZ ailment. It's like, oh, we see those four little let- letters posted after her name. So mm-hmm. that's her reason, you know, and it flagged me. It just automatically flagged me. And it, it was so hard. And it's even still occurs to this day. And, you know, I left the OB's office after everything. And I said, I'm not returning there. And I, what did I do? I continued my road to fight it. And I said, I'm going to get more answers. I want to know wholeheartedly, was this really unhealthy for me? Um, and if it is, it's okay. I mean, my body was truly fighting it and I knew I wasn't healthy you know, early pregnancy. And so something wasn't quite right. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted somebody to acknowledge that and to say, Hey, I've got you. I understand you. I hear you, you know, I have my nutrition coach that's helping me. And she's like, I've got you. I know this. I understand it. I know, but you know, she can't also be my OB, you know, she can't be health provider. She can't be whatever else I need. And I said, that's like the trifecta or your toolbox. Mm -hmm. And I did continue my search. And I found an OB that was kind of slammed on the brakes and was like, hold on, this is not okay. And disappointed in the service that I've received. Um, And she has now um, taken all of my files, is compiling everything. We are doing everything. We are looking further into my gut health. We are, she's teaming up with Kristen and, and really helping maximize my health you know even if i choose to no longer explore the possibility of a pregnancy you know which i have closed that chapter and i am okay with that because i again it's a surrender piece of knowing that like hey i've got to show up and be a healthy mom that's Mm -hmm. my first goal for my girls they deserve that um and i also have kind of that vow to their birth moms you know they chose me to be their mom. And so now I need to be the healthiest, best version of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember somebody looking at me and one of my friends and going, but Lynn, isn't that everything you ever wanted? And my response was, no, everything I ever wanted is staring right here up at me from my ankles. Like I, you know, I, I have to be healthy for them. That, I just wanted to be a mom. However, that came to me was my gift. Um, and so I had that and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm happy with that. And I think when I said that comment, it was like this reality of like, oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, like you're right. You shocked, your, you shocked yourself by even yeah. saying that. <laughs> my fight right there to, to be a mom, it came and it's here. And my ability, become an adoptive mom is a gift and that's my gift and I'm accepting of that and um yeah you know as this journey has unfolded and like the ketamine and all of those things like I've shared with you before right after we lost and chose to not proceed with the pregnancy a few months later we've been very open with my family about my mental health and my struggle and they saw me go into you know hospitalizations Mm -hmm. and different um and a few short months later, my father-in-law commits suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, now my husband is leaning intensively in on me okay. to help go through this that I just escaped a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, a year ago, I could have been in the same shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a shock to our family. But because I had come out of it and I had my toolbox full once again, Um, I was able to carry my family on through with that and to help support them and keep them from slipping. And um, there's such a true power behind that and a a source of healing of like, wow, I I did that and I helped Mm -hmm. and I'm not triggered by it, you know, because of someone that walks around with complex PTSD, you you have no idea some days what's going to trigger you. What's going to come at you. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't know what it's, is it going to send you pummeling to the ground, crying in a ball of tears? You don't know. And I think, um, 
because I did the work, I knew how to get where I needed to go. And, and because I never quit fighting, I was able to, to pull myself out of that, to keep myself from falling behind it and to help my family continue to heal. So it's been a really long, hard, ugly journey. Oh, um, it has. I mean, like you're, that's why, um, I'm, I'm going to have to put a warning on this episode to like, please get your tissues ready. Cause this is an intense one. <laughs> um, and I just, you know, like when I think about your story, um, you are the epitome of perseverance and what I mean by telling people, cause I know like one of the biggest issues that people with PCOS struggle with is like, I can't find a doctor to take me seriously. I can't find someone to help me. And um, I recently put out a poll, like just on the diagnosis alone, like how many providers did it take before you finally got the diagnosis? And the average was like five to seven. There were some people that were as great as 10 doctors. And I imagine that that story has just as many layers like yours does. And there's some trauma that has to be involved in that. Like we can't go through some of the stuff that we go through without it being like medical trauma. And I always tell people like, yes, I know you're exhausted. I know you are tired and you're frustrated and you feel hopeless, but like keep getting that second, that third, that fourth, that fifth opinion. Like if I can tell you anything, you are worth fighting for. Like, so please just keep fighting. And you are the poster girl for that (laughs) because like, that's exactly what you did. And I just... And maybe you don't even know this answer. I don't know, but I'm curious, like what allowed you to keep fighting, like to, to keep doing that, even in your worst moments, what, what kept you going? Gosh, I think, um, my faith, you know, I started to, to, to really pull that back in and say, okay, like what's my purpose. But I think my family for sure, yeah. my little, you know, my little girls, they don't, they don't, again, they don't deserve to see a sick mom. And I had the biggest and greatest gift that some woman on the other side of the table looking at me saying, Hey, I'm going to hand you my child. And I want you to give her the life that I could never give her. And I would feel like I failed myself. I failed them to not to to say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to throw in the flag because I don't feel well today. Yeah. Some days are really hard. And even raising them now at two and just now five, some days I don't feel well. And I even tell him like, mommy's not feeling well today. Let's, let's not like run around outside. How about we watch a movie, you know? And, and they're starting to understand that, but, um, I really do just feel like I owe it to them. I owe it to my husband just to like show up every day and to communicate and to educate because I am not the only woman out there that struggles. And if I can reach somebody, either somebody listening to this podcast or somebody, you know, dropping me a message in my DMs or emailing me or texting me and I can share and say, hey, look, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And no, we may not always have the answers through this process. What you can do is keep fighting. You can keep showing up. You know, ocean need not seek water. Mm -hmm. are you love yourself and um give yourself grace give yourself because grace is a a huge one and not I mean like I'm gonna plug in Kristen here because uh Kristen and I actually did an episode I think it's episode number four on stress because that was the big component of my healing as I'm sure it was for you uh totally different story but I had no hormones left and you know um didn't want to leave my house and there were days that I didn't want to be here as well and just like you it was, you know it added a complexity because it's like my husband deserved a better person my children deserved a better mom and I can't be these things that I even authentically want to be right. and uh going through my journey and Kristen was there to to help walk alongside me and um the word surrender just like kept coming up and she was like Letitia you you've got to just surrender to this process because in the beginning I was so focused on like you know I've spent all these years losing the weight and now I'm gaining it back and I feel terrible and I have all of these symptoms like 
I want my symptoms to go away. I want my weight to go back down and I want to go back to living my life. And I was focusing so much on these like silly, you know, honestly, like silly things, like, like my appearance. And I wasn't giving myself the attention and the love and the grace for like what was really going on underneath. And, um, she just kept telling me, like, I think you need to surrender to this process. And of course, like, I'm sure you feel this way. And it's like, I wish I could give the listeners like a roadmap of what that looks like. Right. I can't, I can't give you this, like, oh, this is exactly what you need to do to surrender. I can't even do that for my own clients. Whenever I have these conversations with them, like you really are going to have to surrender to this. And, um, I was doing yoga at the time and I walked into the yoga studio and our instructor for that lesson said, uh, today is going to be all about surrender. And I just broke down. Like, I was just like, oh my goodness. Um, you know, the universe is telling me these signs and I was doing yin yoga, which is more restorative grounding work because that's what my body needed. And she said, we're really just going to do five poses today, which we have an hour. And that means that some of these poses we're going to sit in for like eight to 10 minutes. And I just thought, oh, wow, like that's, that's a lot. And there was one pose that was on my hips and, um, I sat there and I don't know what, where the time was. I don't know how long we were, you know, meant to sit in that pose, but all of a sudden um, I went from in my head of like, Ooh, this, this is starting to hurt. I don't like this. This feels uncomfortable to literally a ball of fire. I don't know how else to explain it other than a ball of fire started up from my root, like my pelvic area and came slowly up my body. And I, in that moment wanted to cry like a baby. I wanted to like, just roar all of these emotions. But at the same time, I was trying to keep my composure because I was in a studio around other people and I didn't want like people to freak out. And I was freaking out. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, like my body was just involuntarily shaking at that point because I had so many of these emotions that I just wanted to get out. And I reached out to Kristen, <laughs> like as soon as that session was over, it was like, I don't know what the hell just happened to me, but like, you're telling me to surrender. And then I walk into the studio and they're telling me to surrender. And then I get into this pose and this thing wanted to come out of me. And then that's when it was like, there is so much trauma that yeah. is in my body. That is, you know, even our hips, like for those that do yoga and that are a part of that, like, um, healing space like there is so much that our body holds on to and I immediately like read the book the body keeps the score and was like I don't think I can go on in my healing process without going to like therapy and like really getting to the root of what is going on and that's when the complex PTSD diagnosis came in and actually quit working with Kristen like I said look I don't I, I I need a break from a nutrition plan I need a break from like a lifestyle regimen, like, I think I need to step away and give myself the space to surrender and address the trauma that I didn't fully understand, like how that was impacting my health. And I know you probably felt that way too. Like you didn't really fully like grasp it of how that was showing up in your body. And so I literally, it was ironically enough, it was the year of 2020. So like when COVID hit, that was probably the best year I could have done it. But I like put everything on hold and was like, the only thing I care about and the only thing that I'm making a priority when it comes to my health is making that therapy appointment. Like that's a non-negotiable. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like go into like a big part of my story, but I totally like relate. And it's like, nobody's talking about this, Lindsay. Oh, and I've always explained like trauma or just life. Like you are a train, you, you know, you're the engine that drives Mm -hmm. me and things that happen to us when we don't deal with them, they're like added carts to that train, you know, Mm -hmm. that that train has to stop. Like you have to stop. And if you're going at a fast speed and you're not dealing with stuff, and I think COVID has made some of us deal Mm -hmm. um, things that at some point, if that train comes to a screaming halt, where does all that cargo go? It slams right into the back of your engine, you know? And I feel like that's where I was. I was just like, oh, can't have children. Okay. I'll just deal with that later. Add that to my cart, you know, got to go into adoption. Oh, that one didn't work. Oh, that's fine. I'm going to keep going. Add that to my cart. 
add that to my cart and I keep adding, you know, and I keep adding all of these things to the back of my train and I'm still moving at a high speed, you know, yeah. trying and result of building my family and, and understanding my disease and understanding where I am in my mental space. And at some point my, you know, my train runs out of fuel. Like I'm done. I'm exhausted. I've hit, I've hit the gas pedal too long. Right. I just slam on the brakes. Everything stops, but I have moved so fast for so long that I know nothing other than loss. And it just comes smashing into the back of me. Yeah. And you know, just you have to then deal you have to then show up you then have you're, to go you're given no other choice yeah yeah you do and you finally like you said you just surrender you get to a mm-hmm. space it's unexplainable it can't be put on paper mm-hmm. it can't it's not tangible it, it it is just a space deep within you where you finally feel like you have let go and that you can be free and that you are accepting of where you are today. Mm-hmm. Not yesterday, not a week from today, like not tomorrow, but just today. I am mm-hmm. dealing today. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be the best version of me with what I have to work with. And I'm going to just let it go because mm-hmm. it, it is. And when you are somebody that has PCOS, it's a daily challenge. You know, every day looks different. Every month looks different. And you're more sensitive to certain things than other people are. Mm-hmm. And that the one thing I've learned in this is that I just have to figure out what works for me. I share my story. I let it out. I heal a little bit more from it. Decisions and choices were made that impacted my health that some I had control of, some I didn't. Um, but I'm okay and I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to just show up and be the best version that I can. And that's just where it is. You know, I I love that. Oh gosh. Like, thank you so much for sharing all that. I knew that this was going to be an emotional episode. Like I knew there was no way (laughs) I was going to make it out of this without crying. Um, but I do like, I want to end this on a high, high note because I know this was a heavy one, uh, but it needed to be shared. Your story needed to be shared. And like you said, like when we share a story part, a little bit more healing happens. And yeah. this, these are the stories that, you know, are just not being shared enough. And other people, um, sometimes I wonder, like I've sat back and I've wondered, like when I tell someone, like maybe a stranger online, like if I tell them you're not alone, does that phrase ever get lost in the shuffle and doesn't actually feel like what I'm trying to convey to them? Because I feel like it, it gets said a lot. It's kind of like the words, I love you. You know, sometimes like we say, I love you so much that we kind of like lose like the, the true like emotion and feeling that's right. attached to that statement. And your story is exactly like what I mean when I say like, you are not alone because when I look at your story from like, you know, my, my view of looking at your story from start to finish from where you've uh, shared it's like wow like I can imagine you probably did feel alone like I said like you were screaming underwater and nobody could hear you and this is what I mean like when I tell other people it's like you're not fighting this battle by yourself it may feel that way but like there are so many other of us that understand what you're going through and it that in itself sometimes is healing of like okay I'm not in this space by myself for sure Um, yeah. But I'm just curious, um, I know that you could, oh my gosh, like you could talk about the trauma and IVF and adoption, but I'm just curious, like if someone was listening to this and they had a story that was maybe potentially similar to yours, they're considering adoption, they're considering IVF, or they're going through mental health struggles, like if you could give them any word of advice, like what, what would you leave them with? I think I would tell them, like you said, that you're not alone it's, that's a hard word because you do feel alone. You do very much feel alone. And I, you know, I think that I would, um, most certainly share that, um, don't quit the fight. Don't quit. Even if you're in that darkest suicidal moment, as I have been in where I didn't want to live to see tomorrow, I didn't quit. You know, I didn't quit because the answers are there. And when you don't give up, you can move out of it. You know, there is healing to be done. There is mm. a 
after to be closed. Um, if you're in the adoption journey, it will happen. You know, it's inevitable. We all have to go through a wait period. We're all waiting for something. You know, waiting is inevitable. Um, loss is inevitable. You know, we all are going to experience loss to some magnitude. And, but if you just keep in mind to never give up, you know, um, and I, and I go back to this and I'll say this again, ocean need not seek water just because everything you have and need to get through is right there with you. It is right there with you a hundred percent. Um, again, you can't empty the ocean when the waters are turbulent, you know, when the bill, what do we do? We keep moving through it. You know, we keep going when it gets real, real ugly we keep moving and that's exactly what the ocean does is it keeps moving and um you know fill up your toolbox because there are people that are willing to help mm -hmm. and um it's not easy to find it you know like i said i've doors you know kind of shut in my face but um i do now sit on the other side of it um with two successful adoptions um with Kristen in my toolbox, with you now in my toolbox, you know, with my mental health provider in my toolbox. Um, and I now can say, you know, like I, not, not 100%, I still have my hard days. Um, the hard days will come, but don't, don't quit. Don't give up. Mm -hmm. I love there, that. There is, a, a, there is an out to it, for sure. That is so valuable and so true. And don't be surprised if, you know, you see me later with a tattoo that, <laughs> about the ocean and not deep water. Cause I'm like, I, I'm writing that down and putting it above my computer at this point. Yeah. Like, I love that saying. Like, every time you say it, I'm, I just like, I've just feel the weight of that. I'm like, gosh, yes, yes. Like I, yeah. I feel that so deeply. And, um, you know, at Nutrition Dynamic, like we, we've been working really hard to like roll out this whole new opportunity for people with PCOS because we see like, hey, like you're not, getting the care that you deserve. I've experienced that firsthand. So many people have, and um, we're just really happy to bring you on as what, what we're calling like our PCOS warrior ambassador to like help lift our, our people up. And um, so if any people that are listening, listening to this, that end up being a client and want to come into our PCOS community, um, Lindsay's going to be there and you're there to like help us uh, because you know what it's like to be at the deep, dark moment of this battle and you know sometimes we do need someone to like help give us the strength to stand up again and I am super excited that you're going to be there to to help you know our community with that and I am with a without a shadow of doubt know that someone listening to this is going to connect to your story and relate and is probably going to want to talk to you on some form fashion or another so can you tell us, like, how can we connect with you? Um, you can always send me an email um, and I can leave that information with you and we can post I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can connect with me on Instagram. I, that's usually my main thing. You can slide on into my DMs, you know, do your thing. Um, I am an open book. As you know, I'm sitting here on this podcast and sharing with you some of my darkest, all of my darkest moments. So um, I am happy to connect. I'm like forever grateful for this amazing opportunity to be able to share my story, but also mm -hmm. work with them that are struggling because right. yeah, I did feel alone in this process. Um, but again, it's a process and it will move and you move, you know, and um, yeah. So anybody can reach out, they can email, they can contact me through a social media, um, I am happy to connect with anybody. Um, they can ask questions, anything. So yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here and all that you're doing. And I know that I can say collectively as a community, we're all just wishing you the best of luck with your upcoming adoption story. Um, I'll be excited to, to get to see that journey unfold for you as well. And I would definitely put all of your information in the show notes. I know some people are going to want to reach out and just thank you. I just thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing even the heavy stuff with us. Uh, well, thank, because you. thank you. I really can't thank you enough for giving me this platform because, you know, sometimes the best part of healing is being able to just say it out loud, you yeah. know, and yeah. even if 
talk to yourself in front of a mirror, sometimes that's some of the best healing is to just get it out, release it, let it go and free yourself. And um, I just thank you for this so much for this opportunity and to be a PCOS warrior and um, help anybody, you know, that's yeah. my ultimate to help yeah. anybody. We're going to change the world together. I have no doubt. <laughs>